Welcome to the Essential HR Podcast, where today I sit down with Mark Young, CEO of My HR Council, where we discuss why it's important for your small business to maintain compliance, and we look into the future and discuss the HR topics and trends you'll be talking about in 2021. This program is not intended to constitute legal advice and is for general educational purposes only. If you do need legal advice, please contact your own attorney. Good afternoon and welcome to the Essential HR Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gorman. I'm here today with uh, Mark Young. Mark is the CEO at uh, My HR Council, and uh, uh, Mark was kind enough to join us this afternoon, and I want to thank you, Mark, for your time today. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate being here. No, absolutely. And Mark, maybe to get started um, uh, for our listeners, talking maybe, maybe about who Mark Young is and, and what you do and your background and maybe how you got into HR and, and just a little bit about your story. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I went uh, through undergrad. I was uh, came out with an accounting degree and I got uh, thrown into a, in a tax accounting firm. And as uh you know, some tax guys would say, you know, uh, we're boring and stuff, but I found it kind of fascinating because a lot of uh, really the underlying policies of companies um, and, and sometimes the forgotten things that you could do in, in either small business, uh, small businesses, or when you were internally, um, some of the aspects that affect taxes, uh, corporate taxes, individual taxes. And I found that kind of um, fascinating. It's kind of a puzzle piece, you know, putting different things together and um, I started with this accounting firm uh, called Lurie Bezikoff, um, and they were nice enough to allow me to go to, to law school at night. Uh, they had a few of the partners that did that. And so I was able to, um, you know, not, not go into deep debt into uh, going into law school. And uh, so I learned the, the tricks of the trade for, uh, for tax and accounting and uh, went to law school at night. And uh, then I came out and uh, graduated and luckily passed the bar and, and went to a, a law firm for a couple of years. And then I kind of had a, a bit of a break um, from, you know, everyone kind of needs a break in their career. And I was uh, getting close to my late 20s and uh, got picked up by a company called Personnel Decisions International. Um, it's now part of Corn Ferry, the large uh, recruiting firm, uh, global re- recruiting firm. And um, this was a growing company uh, focused on HR consulting. Uh, they did psychological assessments and development and coaching. Um, so it was uh, both felt like a, an educationally based uh, company. We were always assessing ourselves and, and getting coached by, you know, the, the top coaches in the world that were coaching all the top five, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs. So it was kind of like having, you know, 500 personal trainers, all PhD psychologists that uh, could give me feedback. And, and uh, again, in this company, I got a couple lucky breaks and uh, ended up being uh, the CFO and, and effectively um, the chief operating officer for all of the administrative uh, functions. So, um, you know, law and accounting, HR, uh, sales. And uh, really learned uh, again on the fly, you know, sort of through my 30s, and uh, was just really given a, a tremendous opportunity and um, learned how to do acquisitions and learned, um, you know, really all of the interactions of um, overseas. You know, we bought companies overseas and opened offices. We also uh, opened a ton of offices and, and launched new products, et cetera, across the United States. Um, 
and each one of the offices sort of acted like small businesses. So, you know, the more and more I got involved in, again, kind of leading uh, the accounting and, and administrative side of that, the more I got interested in, in the small business, medium-sized business challenges that happen. And, uh, you know, fast forward a, a couple more years and about six and a half years ago, um, after going through um, being on a few boards and, and stepping in sort of interim CEOs while we were trying to sell these companies, one of the problems that we had in these smaller businesses was being able to afford, um, you know, really top quality professional services. Um, it's very expensive, uh, you know, the, the cost of law firms, traditional law firm, traditional accounting firm, you know, whether it's $500 an hour or $1,000 an hour. Um, you know, it doesn't bode well for small businesses, and I'll just say like 250 and under in, in employees, sure. um, you know, again, for accounting, for tax, for law, and, uh, you know, again, about just, just in the excess of uh, six years ago, um, a, a buddy of mine from, from undergrad and law school and I were talking one day and said, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could kind of take um, some of the business models that are out there, think about software where you pay a subscription fee, and you know, you're not worried about using the software and getting charged for it, but when you call a law firm or you call an accounting firm, you are. Right. And wouldn't it be great if we had something like software, <laughs> um, knowing that again, in law, you still need the professional judgment, but it's, if we can do the business model where we pay a flat fee, you have the use of it without having to worry how much you're using it, um, and you're getting those professional answers. And the firm that uh, a friend of mine was running did this in a um, really for individual um, or individuals that bought a legal subscription or bought legal insurance, and they were doing it via telephone. And you know, I'd been with a few software companies and thought, you know, if we could kind of marry up this you know legal portal and and some software so that people could uh, both look at documents and and pull sort of um, documents and checklists and and learn more, but also get a hold of our attorneys mm -hmm. and do so at, you know, on their time, you know, not call up, leave a voicemail, hope somebody calls back and that inefficiency, but leave, you know, come in, open a ticket like, uh, like you do with, you know, software support yeah. and ask a question and then load balance the number of attorneys so that the attorneys that are open and free at that time can actually answer that question rather than, you know, in the traditional law firm, you get assigned an attorney, and if that person is there, great. Uh, if they're working on something else, well, that's kind of a bummer. You wait for a while, and um, it's, again, just kind of taking the inefficiencies out of professional services and adding software to it and learning some of the, you know, again, some of the things that we did through um, telephony and, and some of those hotlines. So, um, that was the launch of my HR Council, and again, it's, uh, it's now, we're now partnered with uh, a great company in Prime Pay. Mm -hmm. It's called Prime Pay HR Council, and yep. uh, that gets offered at a flat monthly fee. And again, it uh, provides unlimited HR uh, and employment law questions, as well as corporate and business law questions, and does uh, unlimited drafting, things like employee handbooks and uh, review of corporate legal documents. Um, you know, client agreements that come back redlined. Again, when you get charged from a traditional law firm, it's very expensive and uh, when you use my HR Council and in uh, Prime Pay's HR Council, it's a flat fee, and you don't have to worry about uh, how quickly you get on and off the phone with your attorney. 
Right. Absolutely. It's fantastic service. And, and I know we talked a little bit before um, we started to record, but um, you know, with given the landscape of what's going on right now uh, with uh, you know, with COVID-19 and, and the pandemic and, and a new administration, maybe talk a little bit about what you're seeing out there, Mark, and maybe some of the, I don't know if we want to do like a top five list here, but you know, what are some of the hot buttons that, you know, as we approach year end and all this change, um, you know, what do you, what do you see small businesses really struggling with and, and what are some of those topics that are, are top of mind right now? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things come to mind, you know, first of all, even with, with or without sort of the transition and, and, uh, and change in, uh, in the political landscape, you know, starting in March, of course, uh, when the pandemic hit, it, uh, it became just a, a tremendous uh, flood of questions and, and frankly, a tremendous um, increase in our business and in just the size and number of clients that came on board. And, and largely because the, the number of issues that, that were coming up, I mean, obviously businesses were struggling, some were, you know, in the right place at the right time, so they were mm -hmm. growing. So with change comes, you know, um, a lot of legal issues, a lot of legal questions. And again, in those smaller businesses, um, you know, they don't have a, a, a on-demand, if you would, uh, place to go. A lot of the right. larger businesses, you know, you have a, a large uh, division of, of counsel, of legal counsel, you know, maybe in your building or, or you know, mm -hmm. access to that. Or you have a little more capital where you can, you know, certainly go to legal counsel that charges by the hour. So, you know, it, it goes back to March 16th of 2020 when uh, a lot of the country got shut down. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, the, the federal government acted quickly and came out with the, you know, the FFCRA and uh, emergency paid sick leave and extended family medical leave act. And then we had, you know, um, thousands of questions a day around what's the difference between, you know, a layoff. If I terminate someone, do they in fact get the unemployment with the extra $600 that the federal government added with uh, one of the stimulus? Mm -hmm. And so there was just all of this interaction with the stimulus and new laws and in, in running a business when, you know, we were either shut down or under certain restrictions, working from home, you know, all of a sudden people with, um, you know, with, with policies that didn't include work from home and that needed to update policies. And so I think our clients found that having unlimited resources at their fingertips and not having to worry about, oh my God, for me to get up to, you know, to update my employee handbook, to mm -hmm. update my telecommuting policy, to um, lay some people off, to, you know, uh, furlough some people, to figure out how to navigate the FFCRA and how I pay, how I get a credit through the tax, um, uh, payroll tax credit all of those questions, which again, thousands and thousands of our clients had those questions, right. very similar. It's hard to find a, a great resource that doesn't just write about it, but gives you the opinion and practical way in which to solve those issues. And so that was really, again, what we've been doing, honestly, for the last nine to 10 months, and that continues on today. I mean, if I look at our legal portal today, um, there's 50 questions about, you know, different people that were exposed to COVID or maybe contract tracing and, mm -hmm. um, you know, they were out at a client site and they heard from that client that somebody tested positive. So what do we do? Do you put them on furlough? Do you put them, um, you know, do they, what happens if they, do you send them to get a test? And if you send them to get a test, you have to pay for it, you know? And right. so all these employer questions, it's really, 
um, you know, there's a lot at risk, especially now because there's there's a high sensitivity to it. Um, but there's just a lot of unknowns. These are questions that haven't come up in 50 years, you know. So, um, so just a lot of one of the biggest, you know, things is as COVID continues on, and even with the light at the end of the tunnel with a vaccine, mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of questions of what happens if a person tests positive or they think they might have been exposed. Um, that's one of them. The other thing we're seeing is um, many of the states early on uh, talked about you had to have a pandemic response plan. And by law, uh, I happen to be in Minnesota, it is actual law that came into place in March. A lot of people didn't know that. And uh, it's a $25,000 fine if you don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, So far, I haven't heard of too many clients that have been fined that. But now there's more and more states that are saying, not only do you need to have a written pandemic response plan, you need to send it out to your employees. And, you know, as would happen, a lot of times when there's uh, a new opportunity, you have people that are charging a lot of money for those. And again, um, our, our focus and our business model was to make sure all of those type of policies, again, we know it's coming. Right. We know thousands of clients are going to be very similar, almost exactly the same pandemic response. So let's have a template and then let's gather their specific information. But the pandemic response plan is is a requirement, and those those change uh, because of state and city laws. And so, to keep those up to date, obviously, you want to have um, council that's on demand so you can make those changes. The other thing that's coming forward here as we get towards the end of the year and and in uh, a vaccine is a lot of questions around uh, what do we do? Do we have a vaccine policy? Do we make it mandatory for employees? Do we make it mandatory for customers? And if so. What are the exceptions? And there certainly are some you know, religious exceptions and uh, disability exceptions, but for the most part, uh, you can have a vaccine policy. And so there's already you know, employers that are looking forward and saying, you know, again, without law changes and everything else specific to the pandemic, what are things that we have to do? Um, and then, you know, as you said, Brian, the issue around uh, you know, a change in, in, um, in, you know, in presidency and, and you know, Again, after four years of, of a lot of executive orders, um, which is mm-hmm. you know, not atypical for a presidency, um, there's already you know a lot of media that's talking about you know um, un- unwinding some of those executive orders and making change in, in laws there, which will have effect in policies that employers have, whether it's small, medium, or large. So um, there are things uh, that you know Joe Biden and and the Democrats have run on. Um, yeah, you know they've coming up. Talked about increase in in uh, the minimum wage and mm-hmm. uh, more pay equity and and, and lack um, you know not pay discrimination and so you're going to see bills on that and that's going to have effect on policies and um, you know compensation policies. It's obviously going to affect your employee handbook, which is always you know the end of the year and first of the year. The employee handbook to me is always the biggest thing. It's the <laughs> legal document, if you would, with your employees. Sure. So not having that updated every year is is really exposing businesses and um, and again that's one of the the main deliverables if you would of prime pays hr council is to not only update your handbook but keep it updated um so that's that's huge um you know a couple other things that that uh the democratic platform ran on that's a little bit different uh from what the republicans had was uh, more of a guaranteed paid leave and uh, maybe a federal guaranteed paid leave. Um, it was brought up, I think, with the Trump administration and uh, 
you know, we're hearing more and more that that's a, a, a big early push uh, from the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other um, the other pieces there there had been uh, talk about in, in different bills that uh, had gone back and forth, um, really pre pandemic, if you would, around addressing discrimination and harassment in the workplace. You're starting to see, I think there's six states now where it's mandatory. Mm -hmm. um, California being the leader in that where there's two different types of sexual harassment discrimination uh, training that's required by the end of 2021. And uh, one for employees, one for supervisors, a uh, couple hours and it is again mandatory and mandatory that you track that. Mm -hmm. So again, having um, the, the state of California actually provides those training programs, but tracking that needs, you know, you need some form of learning management system or a tracking system to make sure you get through those. So, um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of subtle changes coming, um, but I do think, you know, the, the minimum wage has been, you know, a big push, uh, was a right. big push under the Obama administration to get to $15. Um, so I think we're going to see, you know, having to be able to track that, you know, we know here in Again, Minnesota, we have different minimum wages for St. Paul and Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And when that first came out, it was what happens if you drive through those cities as a truck driver, let's say, do you have to track those hours? Um, you know, in Illinois, there's 39 different minimum wages based on county and city um, around Chicago. Sure. And tracking all of those in a payroll system is critical. You know, trying to do payroll <laughs> on your own <laughs> without a great system like a prime pay is, uh, you know, is kind of at your own peril. So. Oh, absolutely. I was going to, if I can kind of hear what you're saying and repeat back to what, what, you know, what you're saying here, I mean, it just seems to me like documentation, 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 make sure, you know, as a small business owner, you have the documentation that all these requirements, you know, you have to have that and maybe speak to, I know you mentioned handbook several times, uh, Mark, but you know, maybe how would I go about getting a, getting a handbook updated, um, and then maybe speak to, again, the documentation points. I think if it's so critical, especially now to have all this documented somewhere. Yeah. I mean, right? the employee handbook, uh, you know, the more and more and more I've got, right. you know, the year on me in, in practicing, you know, especially employment law, you know, it is, it's the Bible, right? It, mm -hmm. it you know, when, when we see clients that are having issues with their employees, they either leave and maybe there's a lawsuit or whatever. It's largely because, the employee handbook did not address that. So, you know, a couple of examples here. There are states where you do have to pay out PTO, California being one of them, but there are states where there's where there's not. Well, if you earn that PTO and your state doesn't require that payout, if that's not in your handbook as to what you're going to do with that, you know, for sure the employee is going to expect to be paid and largely the employers are going to expect, hey, listen, you, you left, why would you get paid the, you know, paid time off? If that's not documented, you know, well documented in employee handbook and kept up to date. And again, there's more and more cities now. I think, you know, there's talk about a federal law around that. If that's not updated and followed by in the law or whatever your policy is as an as a small business employer, um, that just has to be in, you know, documented because as soon as somebody leaves and they're expecting six, you know, days of, of paid uh, sick leave or paid time off. And they're not paid that you know they've already probably counted that money and if you can turn to your employee handbook and say listen here's the exact paid time off policy the employee handbook in which you signed off on you know end of story and those are costly you know to to have an hourly attorney uh litigate that and you know obviously the other side is trying to to win that 
um, you know, if you get depositions and you get to court, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. And then you have agencies that are coming after that. Um, the other piece is, and, you know, again, I talked to slightly uh, about this, you know, some of the states that are now mandating sexual harassment discrimination. Um, it's a combination of document and training. And, you know, this is, this has been a, a big area on, on really both sides of the aisle politically, but um, pay equality, um, sexual harassments, you know, for the last, geez, 10, 12, 20 years, you know, it's, it's been more and more um, out in the open in terms of, you know, whistleblower laws and everything else. So it's not this, no one can step forward. And, you know, it, we're making it easier and easier for people to step forward, which is great. Um, but again, having documentation in the employee handbook as to what it is, um, what sexual harassment is and discrimination, and then doing your training. Um, and sure. doing it on a, you know, on an annual basis. It's, it's something that people just forget doing. If you're a 20, you know, person, 20 employee firm, you think, well, you know, I know everyone here. Um, we see it more in small firms because you are comfortable with each other, your friends, right. your some family members and everything else. And it, you know, the dollar amounts, you know, if the, the average employment lawsuit is about $150,000 with costs and everything else, for a 20 employee company, that's devastating. Um, you know, for 200,000 person company, that's probably not a, as big a deal. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's document, train, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and even when you think it's just common sense, make sure it's in a policy. Social media, you know, is a, uh, you know, obviously a huge thing. Absolutely. And uh, there isn't a week that doesn't go by where um, employees that either left or are still working, it posts something bad about the company. And of course the owner wants to fire them and sue them and everything else. And, you know, we have a first amendment, right. But do we have that, you know, as it relates to social media and talking about a company um, without it written in your policy, it's really hard to say, well, they should have known or whatever, but you write it in an employee handbook, no problem. And uh, to your question about how do we go about employee handbook? Yeah. You know, so there's, you know, obviously you can Google it and sure. I don't know, there's $49.99, uh, <laughs> right. selections, do it yourself. And when you get it, you'll see a big, you know, bolded disclaimer that says this is not a legal document. It's not legally prepared. Um, you should take this to your attorney. One of the things that we felt really strongly about when we started my HR counsel and certainly with our, our partnership with Prime Pay was you need to have it legally prepared. You need to mm. be able to rely on this document. You need to be able to go somewhere to get it updated by attorneys who are watching the state, the municipalities, and of course the federal law, you know, every day, frankly. And so what we've done is um, we do a quick uh, information survey to make sure that we're getting the latest and greatest information from the employer. And then we create it with our attorneys and we send out a draft to the, um, to the client we make sure that any nuances or, you know, maybe their strategy is the first page so that it looks, you know, it's not canned, it's not, you know, boring, it's not, you know, they can write it the way they want, but we're crossing the T's and dotting the I's when it relates to the federal and state and municipal laws. And again, being able to keep that up to date and not having to worry about keeping, you know, going back to the, again, the traditional professional services model where you're paying by the hour, you know, mm -hmm. with my HR counsel, you're able to get it updated without that change in your price. Right. And that's really about the only way you can keep an employee handbook up to date. Sure.
Oh, it's a fantastic um, information, fantastic service. And, and maybe to, to finish up and kind of put, put a crystal, you know, look at, look at the crystal ball into 2021 a little bit. What, what are we talking about, say, six months from now? Like from an HR perspective, what do you envision? Uh, and again, it's hard to kind of envision, you know, six months down the road here, but yeah. what, what do you think? What, what do you see, you know, on, I, I kind of love this time of year because we all reflect on the year and what, what we, and especially this year too, what we've been through, but you know, maybe fast forward a little bit. What do you see some of the topics and trends as we go into 2021 and, and um, what do you see from an, from an HR perspective? Yeah. Well, I don't want to be a doom and gloom guy, but, but I do think we have, you know, with, with transition and change come some challenges and, and, and honestly, you throw on top of that, the challenge of, you know, is there light at the end of the tunnel with the pandemic? So you kind of mix those all together and say, okay, what, what's coming out of that? If you, if you think about some of the policies that, uh, President-elect Biden has talked about, um, you know, there, there is going to be more, uh, more focus on pay equity, uh, and that has not been an area, um, while there's been bills that have come out, um, there has not been um, the, the appetite, you know, perhaps um, to enforce the, the pay equity. So I, I, I believe we're going to see um, some of these agencies that are in place, whether it's the EEOC, um, you know, or the, the FLSA, um, you know, the Department of Labor, of course, has, has different branches that, um, you know, as part of the deregulation of some of the uh, things that, that President Trump put into place. Uh, in example, the Department of Labor has some divisions around, um, you know, ERISA and welfare benefit plans. And without getting deep into that law, there's a lot of requirement um, around documentation and notices that need to go out to employees, even of like a two person, two employee uh, medical plan, you need to send out a summary plan description, notices throughout the year. Um, those, for whatever reason, there's, you know, in excess of 70% of businesses are not ERISA compliant. And there just hasn't been the, um, and frankly, there hasn't been the appointment of several people on the boards that are in the enforcement divisions of the Department of Labor to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I do see um, a little bit, you know, sort of back to how the government and the federal government was run where those seats are filled. Um, there is more enforcement from the Department of Labor. There's more enforcement from, um, you know, the federal labor standards in the EEOC. And so some of these laws that are in place already around sexual harassment, and again, coming from some of the states, I think we're going to see more federal government, um, typically you do, and more federal government involvement, and, and really more federal government enforcement. Uh, mm -hmm. Because again, they've, it's been a, a little bit of a holiday on some of those enforcement uh, pieces. So, you know, Brian, back to your uh, documentation, documentation. I mean, again, I, the first thing I would do uh, post uh, Thanksgiving is get my employee handbook up to date immediately. Right. Sure. And then I would make sure that I knew, uh, again, with all the benefit plans that most employers have, whether it's just medical or life insurance, is to make sure those documents are in place. Um, because I do think the enforcement, um, again, late in the Obama administration, they hired excess, uh, uh, in excess of 4,000 people at the IRS, like 2,500 people at the Department of Labor to enforce um, some of these benefit plan uh, issues. And then that got reversed uh, in 2016. And I think that will come back. Um, and again, like I said, the sexual harassment and uh, pay equity, those, the enforcement of those, I think we're going to see more 
than just the, the law that got passed and uh, is kind of sitting on the books. Fantastic. Uh, Mark, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Um, great conversation. I loved uh, all, all the um, uh, information and, and what you had to offer. And uh, certainly um, I would love to have you on again and, uh, and uh, wish you happy Thanksgiving. And thanks again for your time. Appreciate it very much. Thank you too, Brian. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Right. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you for listening to the Essential HR Podcast. Be sure to tune into our next episode where we reflect on what we learned in 2020 and look forward to 2021.